Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hey guys, welcome back. Episode number 24 here on Schwartz on Sports. I am your host, Noah Schwartz, here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am joined today by my good friend, Owen Tambor. He's been on a couple episodes before. He works on the show quite a bit behind the scenes, but he comes on with us sometimes to talk about a variety of different topics, and we have a lot to get to today. So, Owen, what's up? How you been? Pretty good, you know, just grinding through the college semester. I'm sure a lot of people listening relate to that, or just in general, I know you relate to that. Um, yep, for sure. A month left, so yep. almost there. So we've got a lot to get to. Uh, today is trade deadline day in the NBA, and we are recording this right around 3.15 or so in the afternoon Eastern time, which is right as the deadline ended. It was over at 3. Uh, so deals are breaking as we speak. Victor Oladipo was just traded a couple minutes before we started recording today. So we'll talk all about the deadline deals. We'll talk a little bit about uh, opening day as the Major League Baseball season begins in one week from today, next Thursday, April 1st. And we will talk about uh, the city of Boston because this is their third episode that we're doing in the uh, sports by city uh, segment. And we'll just get to the Red Sox. We'll talk about the Patriots. We'll talk about Boston, uh, the Celtics. We'll talk about the Bruins. So we'll get to uh, all that. And Owen is from Boston, so it's a good reason for why he's on the show today. So let's begin with the NBA trade deadline. A lot happened. Let's start with the most breaking trade because it just went down a few minutes ago. I just mentioned it. Victor Oladipo is going to the Miami Heat, the defending Eastern Conference champions. Uh, It's for Avery Bradley. It is for uh, Kelly Olynyk, and there's a draft pick in there somewhere too. So that's the trade. Owen, what are your thoughts? Because Miami needed a guard, and they get a former All-Star from the Houston Rockets. I mean, you know, I just – I think it's hard for any team in the East right now to make it over the hump of the uh, the Nets. I feel like it's – I feel like no matter what you do, it's – you know, it's not necessarily a bad deal. I just feel like I feel like the Nets are like the clear favorite in the East at this point. Um, I feel like it's going to be really hard to beat them. Uh, you know, I feel like the Nets have pretty much have like a ninety-five percent chance of making the finals. So I think no matter what moves team makes, it's going to be really hard to get past the Nets. So you know, I just think teams are scrambling to try to build their roster to compete with just such a stacked roster in Brooklyn. Truly stacked roster. That that's a good point. Uh, I would totally agree with you. I've been saying from the moment that the Nets traded for James Harden, they were the clear, not just Eastern Conference favorites, but championship favorites. I think uh, far and away they should go ahead and win this championship with Kyrie, Kevin, and James. Yeah, it would be kind of disappointing if they didn't. Um, And if they didn't make the finals, God forbid, that would be very bad. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, teams across the league are trying to build up an arsenal of weapons that can ultimately match up with the Nets. And, and that's the only way if you want to beat a team with three superstars like that. Yeah. So we've seen teams all, all across the last couple of days making trades in order to do that. And I thought that this was the best or just about the best move that, that the Miami Heat could have made if they didn't want to give up Tyler Hero. And that was the holdup with the Kyle Lowry trade because we heard Kyle Lowry was going to get traded. He obviously did not. But they did not want to give up their young stud in Tyler Hero. They didn't right? And they're just trading away a couple veterans and a draft pick. And I think this is a steal. Like Victor Oladipo, when he's healthy and playing well, this guy can average over 20 points. He's efficient. He's a phenomenal defensive player. He's former uh, all-defensive team. So the Heat, they don't have enough to make the finals now, but let's say there's an injury or something with the Nets, and that's definitely a possibility with the roster they have. If you have a team of Jimmy Butler, Bam, Goran Dragic, and Victor Oladipo, they're going to be in every series, and that means they can truly compete with the other Eastern Conference elites like Milwaukee, like Philly, teams like that. So I think this is great for the Miami Heat. They, they really needed another guy, and they got one. Yeah, and then I just heard, I just got some texts. Apparently, apparently, I don't know, I have to verify this, that Daniel Tice is going to Chicago. Yep, he um, is. Uh, I just saw that too for Mo Wagner, who was traded this morning uh, from Washington. He's a former, former Laker player, went to Michigan. Traded from Washington this morning to Chicago in the Vucevic – or in, not in the Vucevic trade, in the um, trade they made with Washington. And then he got traded again today. Poor guy. <laughs> must, be, must be interesting. Start packing your bags, and then you have to repack your bags, go somewhere else. So, But, yeah, I mean, the Celtics also traded for Evan Fournier today. 
earlier. Um, I don't, uh, that was a good trade. They only had to trade two second round picks, I believe, which is like a steal. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And Were you Daniel surprised Tyler, they didn't make another move though for like a, somebody like a Harrison Barnes or Aaron Gordon, somebody like that. I mean, they were in the Aaron Gordon sweepstakes, but uh, ultimately I think that probably fell apart. I I have a feeling Danny H probably asked for too much per usual. Um, But also the magic, the magic basically just blew up the roster. They just said, screw it. And they just realized that they aren't going anywhere. So they got rid of everyone. Like the magic are going to be really bad, like worse than they already are. So they got rid of Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, Evan Fournier, and they're basically just going young and like, they're just going to focus on their, on their, on their, I guess their G league team won the championship. So woohoo, but yeah, the <laughs> team hasn't won anything and they've been rebuilding for what it seems like forever. And yep. Since uh, Dwight Howard left. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say um, whether this will help the Celtics a lot, but the Celtics can, they're kind of, they should not be under 500. Um, it's, pretty sad disappointing so you know hopefully you know Evan Fournier helps out and I guess Mo Wonger and Daniel Tice are kind of like the same kind of just like a swap almost except yeah Mo they just can shoot they're both big yeah and he's, same guy. and he's cost a little less but other than that it's not like a massive difference but um I don't know maybe maybe they trade Daniel Tice after he missed the game winner they're like all right that's it <laughs> after last night against the Bucks but so let's stay with let's stay with the uh, with the theme of these trades, um, and we just talked about the Orlando Magic trading trading Fournier away. You mentioned Vucevic; he's going to the Bulls. To me, this was the most impactful trade that any team made because Vucevic is the best player that got dealt today. He's a twenty four and twelve guy. He was an All Star this year for the second time with the Orlando Magic, and he's going to Chicago to join up with a young team, but a team that does have another star in Zach Levine, who was an All Star this year as well. So now they're one of only, I believe it's seven teams that have multiple all-stars this season. And they're going to be a really potent duo. I think they're a playoff team. The Bulls have been a joke for a while, but this is the best they've been in quite a number of years since Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler were in their primes in Chicago. So I love this. I thought it was the right thing for the Magic to do to deal him. I was surprised a contender, like a true championship contender, didn't try and make a run at Vucevic. But the fact that the Bulls got him, I thought this was a fantastic move. And that duo between him and Levine is going to be really special. So what 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 do you think on that one? Well, I bet Vucevic will be happy to, you know, be on a team that's not necessarily like a contender, but better anything's better than the Magic almost pretty much. So and you know, I just think that, you know, the the Bulls it's just it's really hinges on whether Kobe White takes that next step and uh the rest of their young guys, uh Patrick Williams, their draft pick from FSU. Because um, we already know what Zach Levine and Vucevic can do, but you know it, it really hinges on what the rest of their guys can do. So I think the Bulls definitely got a, a really, really good center, one of the best in the league. So I think it's gonna obviously it's gonna help them. I mean, you know, he's better than Wendell Carter, who was he was dealt right. I, I yeah, believe. it was Wendell Carter. Uh, I have it here in front of me. It was Wendell Carter. It was Otto Porter, who I think will get a buyout with the Magic and probably join a championship te- championship contending team. We'll see. And then they also got two first round picks. So like you said, the magic are going all in on the draft and, and their young players. They will get a lot of minutes from Wendell Carter this year and they will see what they get. They get a 2021 20, and a 23 first round pick. So they'll use those and, and see how it goes yeah, there. But the magic, yeah, they're the gonna magic, try um, magic have gone full tank mode. <laughs> they, yeah. Really and I was surprised they didn't end up trading uh, Terrence Ross. There's the only real, I guess you could say valuable veteran they have that didn't get moved. He, I'm a big fan of Terrence Ross. He can shoot. Yeah, he's a terrific bench scorer. So he didn't, they didn't move him, but they did move Aaron Gordon. And that was the other big move that was made uh, earlier today. He's going to Denver. Now to me, Denver, they needed a forward, an athletic forward, somebody who kind of replaces what Jeremy Grant gave them last year. They don't have that currently. Aaron Gordon is a 40% three point shooter. He is an athletic freak. I mean, the ability that he can jump and dunk, it's sensational. We've seen that in the dunk contest a couple of times. Um, so they get him. He is a fantastic two-way player. He's a great defender. And I think it gives them like almost like a third star with him and Jokic and Jamal Murray. Uh, and I, I believe they're not the favorite in the West for sure, because that would be the Lakers or Clippers, but they are maybe the third team. If I was going to rank them in order of like who I wouldn't want to face in the playoffs, I do not want to see Denver. They are really good. Yeah. I think the, the Lakers have a lot more competition this year in the West. 
little more to be worried about. Um, I mean, they played the Nuggets last year in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble, and, you know, it was pretty smooth sailing for the Lakers. But I think the Lakers are going to have a more of a – it's going to be harder in the West for the Lakers than it is going to be in the East for the Nets, I think. I think, the, I think the West will be more of a competitive playoff picture. Yeah, I do. The, I do too. The East kind of has three of those top teams, and then the rest is kind of like mediocre, <laughs> like 500. So are you an Aaron Gordon fan? Because I feel like he is one of the most divisive players in the league. You either love the guy and you think he's going to be an all-star one day, or you hate him. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about him. I mean, I wish the Celtics got him. They were close, but I'm still glad. I'm still glad we got, I guess we, because I'm a Celtics fan. We got Evan Fournier, but I wish we got Aaron Gordon too. Um, but you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really, I just don't know enough about him. I don't, I'm neutral, I guess. I'm not like an Aaron Gordon fan, but I'm not, I'm not an Aaron Gordon hater. I All guess, right. By any um, means. Other big trades that went down. We'll talk about a couple more. Uh, this one definitely impacts the championship race. Rajon Rondo is getting traded to the Clippers. He was a champion last year with the Lakers. He heads back to LA to play for the other team in exchange for former sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. And there's also two second round picks getting thrown in there. So Lou goes back to Atlanta where he was playing earlier in his career before he became the uh, sixth, sixth man sensation like he is now. And Rondo goes to the Clippers, a team that really needed a point guard. You definitely know that you could see in some of their games that they lost that were close, especially that Milwaukee game on that uh, Sunday afternoon of nationally televised. You could just tell that, with Patrick Beverly in there, they just don't have someone that could set the offense up and get the ball to Kawhi and Paul George and their other scorers and places that they needed it. Rondo's in his mid-30s. He's definitely not what he once was. But his passing ability and his playoff experience, playoff Rondo is a real thing, uh, that will definitely help the Clippers, and it, it certainly fills their biggest need. I, I think they could have done better, like maybe Alonzo Ball or somebody like that would have helped them more. But Rondo is certainly an upgrade from what they had. Yeah, and the Clippers have plenty of scoring as it is, so they didn't really need Lou Williams anymore. Right. Um, it wasn't really necessary when they have, now that they have like Luke Kennard and uh, Batum for an additional scoring boost. So it definitely makes sense to get someone who's not going to provide a ton of scoring, but he's going to do all the other stuff that is needed for them. So it makes sense overall. Right. Uh, last one. We'll hit. We'll hit this one, and then we'll move on to baseball. Uh, this one was interesting. I personally thought this was a horrendous trade for the uh, uh, Portland Trailblazers. So they're trading Norman Powell, Toronto is, to Portland, sorry, for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. Now, Norman Powell is going to be a free agent this year. He's having career best season, almost 20 points a game. But Gary Trent, and I know you saw Gary Trent quite a bit in the bubble last year, was one of the best players in the entire bubble from Portland. Uh, He stepped in and was fantastic for the Portland Trailblazers, was making threes, was probably their third best guy in Orlando. And he's only in his third season. So there's a lot of room for him to grow. And I think when he goes to Toronto, he's going to have a huge role, like a huge role. I don't, I don't, I don't think getting rid of Rodney hood was a bad idea, but I thought Gary, Gary Trent was like, I feel like that was a bad idea. Um, But I feel like maybe the trailblazers are, are trying to getting desperate, you know, trying to please Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and try to get somewhere further than, Western Conference Finals and trying to, you know, do the best they can to add help. But I, I, I wish they they I wish they kept Gary Trent. They should have. You know, he's really good. I think he's underrated. Yeah, he is. And he was going to be a free agent too. But here's the difference, and I'll point this out to you, Owen. He was – so Gary Trent's going to be a free agent as is Norman Powell. But the difference is Gary Trent's going to be a restricted free agent. So, of course, that means any team that, that – whichever team he's on could match his rights, right, and just keep him around for as long as it is. But with Toronto, uh, Norman Powell was an unrestricted free agent, and now he can hit the open marking and go wherever he wants. They have no ties to him. So Portland, they're going to have Powell for the rest of this season. But if he decides that somebody overpays him, and let's say gives him a 70 or $80 million contract, like I believe will happen, I'm not sure that the Portland Trailblazers, with their expensive roster already, are going to be able to keep him around. At least with Gary Trent, they had a shot to just match the offer and and – even just bite the bullet, go into the luxury tax, whatever. But with Norman Powell, they don't really have that opportunity. So I just – I didn't think it was that much of an upgrade between Powell and Trent to, to make the move. And I guess you're right, maybe to please CJ and Dane, but I, I just – I don't think that's the right idea. I don't. Yeah, I would have gone for Aaron Gordon. I don't know. Yeah, I just think, you know, CJ and Dame are in a tough spot because I personally don't think the they're going to win a ring uh, in Portland. I just don't think it's going to happen, so – 
Um, like I just, I just, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I, I, I just don't really, truly. Yeah, I, I mean, they've only made it to one conference finals, and they were swept without Kevin Durant. So. Yeah, I just don't see it happening, and yeah. you know, not the fault of Lillard. He plays great, but I just don't think they, they're, they. I don't think they're going to get get there in time. For it's yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, anything else? There was a, there was a bunch of trades today. We mentioned, we kind of hit on all the big ones. ones. Yeah. A lot of small ones, nothing like nothing that needs to be <laughs> talked about too much. Yeah. Which, I, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, I'm just trying to look, oh, JaVale McGee to the Nuggets. Uh, that was a significant move just because he gives them a, a bench piece they don't have and McGee is popular. Um, uh, but everything else, I mean, really the, the biggest news now is the fact that Kyle Lowry wasn't traded and we can, we can hit yeah. on that for, for a Andre Drummond was bought out too. Right, so. right, and right, right, right. And he'll probably become a Laker. That's kind of the sense I'm getting. Yeah, so, which is, you know, he's good. Just will he have that impact? Because a lot of, I've heard a lot of NBA executives have anonymously said that he is not, he's, he gets those stats, but he doesn't really help your team is what I've heard from a lot of NBA executives, like who say, who said that anonymously or players or, you know, um, you know, quote unquote experts have said that, that, you know, he, he stuffs the stat sheet, but he really doesn't impact the game, so. Maybe that will change now. Yeah, I, I think it will, and I'll, I'll say it uh, in this way. He has been a stat stuffer in the past, and it hasn't really amounted to anything. But at the same time, playing in Detroit with that awful Pistons team for so many years and then playing with this terrible Cleveland team, it doesn't really motivate you to, like, give your full effort defensively or, you know, run the floor hard. I think he's been too almost free with the type of game he's played where he wants to become a three-point shooter, but he can't shoot. And he's tried to be a post-up player, but he's not a post-up guy at all as a center. If he goes to a championship team, and let's just say the Lakers are hypothetically the team he joins, his, his role essentially will be run the floor, dunk, rebound, block shots, and play defense, right? And that's just a smaller, more concrete role. And it doesn't involve him stepping out behind the three-point line. It doesn't involve him getting post-ups. It doesn't involve him kind of messing around and seeing how far he can expand his game. It just there's only a few things that you do, and that's that. And if he goes to a championship team, I think he'll be more focused and determined to help the team do what needs to be done in terms of the dirty work. Because let's just be honest, if he goes to the Lakers, Anthony Davis is getting the post-up touches, not him. So I think there's a better shot that that his impact will be better felt on a championship team or a playoff team, let's say, rather than a, a lottery team. Because he's always been the best guy. If he's the third or fourth best guy, his game will have to change. And the numbers he puts up will not be what they were previously, but the impact will be there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. For sure. All right, let's take a quick break. I think that that's the best thing to do right now. We'll take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk all about baseball. Uh, opening day is approaching. I'm a huge baseball fan. I know you two are, Owen, as a, as a Red Sox fan. So we'll talk all about that, and uh, we'll got, we got much more coming up here on Shorts on Sports. This episode of Shorts on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium, veteran-owned coffee company proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to only serve the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price in order to provide you with the value you deserve from your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air-roasted, 100% money-back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com and enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Hey guys, welcome back. Schwartz on Sports, presented by the Belly Up Podcast Network, episode number 24. We just talked all about the NBA trade deadline with the deadline happening today here on Thursday when we are recording this. Uh, And now we'll get into baseball. Opening day is next Thursday, April 1st. There are quite a number of interesting storylines, especially from the teams that Owen and I specifically root for or the teams that uh, are rivals of those teams. And I'm a Mets fan, you're a Red Sox fan. So they're in the Eastern Division. There's a lot of elite teams within those divisions. And I, I think that there's just gonna, this is going to be a great season. Last year was kind of a bust with the 60 games and everything. But I think we're going to be back to a normal baseball season this year. And I am just excited, just beyond over the moon for it. So yeah, let's I'm get into that. To, I'm most excited to go to games. Um, you know, my, I, we have, we share, my family shares season tickets. So, you know, I'm going to go – to the game, uh, you know, in April 17th. So I'm excited to go to Fenway and, you know, be back in the stadium. Um, it's going to be a little different, but I'm just glad to be back at games. When, sure. when was the last time you went? <sighs> it's been a little while, probably, 
not probably, you know, obviously not last 60 game because you weren't allowed to go. So I guess the season before, um, you know, the last season uh, bets was there was the last time I went. Okay. Uh, so it's been a while. So I'm excited to get, you know, go back and, you know, it'll be weird because it'll be less fans, but it will still, it will feel good to be back. I think every now, how, how often do you typically go? Cause I go to a, a, I would say probably four or five Mets games a season right around in that, in yeah, that range. We, how often do you we, go? Since we share them and we get a decent amount, but usually we share them between like my mom and my dad and stuff and like other family friends. So I probably go to the same amount as you. Okay. Gotcha. It's going to be, what, what's the, I don't know the Red Sox percent. What, Cause I think the Mets right now is 20% for the Mets and Yankees in New York. What's the capacity? Do you know? I, don't know, but I would assume it would probably be around the same amount. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's, I know there's like, you know, there's bubbles of, you know, you, you be with your friends and you, it's separated, but you know, the tickets aren't too expensive, thankfully, like they are for, you know, indoor games right now, which are absolutely absurd and I cannot afford them, but Red Sox tickets are definitely more affordable right now, which is nice. Gotcha. Um, so let's talk about the Mets first and then we'll get into the Red Sox and Yankees and whatever other teams we want to talk about. Uh, the Mets have been making a lot of headlines in this spring. Uh, they have been winning a lot of these spring training games. A lot of their star players have actually been producing at a really high level in the spring, whether it's Jacob deGrom, Francisco Lindor, OPS over 1,000. Pete Alonso has been looking phenomenal in these spring training games down in the Grapefruit League. So the Mets got me really excited. Obviously, they have a new owner in Steve Cohen. They did a ton in the offseason to upgrade the roster. It's a different vibe this year. That's for sure. It really seems like this is a team that's going to compete. Um, I know you're, you're obviously not a Mets fan, but what have you kind of observed from afar about, about the team that we've got? I mean, yeah, I'm not a Mets fan, but I mean, I've, in terms of I've gone to other ballparks and the first ballpark I went to other than family was the Mets and it was the year they made the world series. And um, you know, it's when they still had Jacob deGrom. So, you know, they still have that guy, you know, to pitch for them and really help them get to that next level. And now they have Lindor, uh, they have Pete Alonso, who's really good. You know, it's just a matter of taking that next step. And I think they're going to, I think they're definitely going to, they're not going to be a laughing stock this year. I think they're going to be a lot better. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be really good. Yeah. So do I, I think, and, and by the way, I'll say this too, this is the toughest division in baseball on paper, at least the Phillies, the Braves, I mean, both teams are very good. The nationals just won a world series recently. The Marlins were in the playoffs last year, won a playoff series. So this division is brutal and the Mets should be fine. Um, I'm not going to pick them to win the division. I still think it's the Braves division to lose. That's what I've been saying for a while, but there's no reason why this team with the depth they have in the rotation, which is a huge change from last year. And the fact that you just acquired Francisco Lindor for almost nothing. Yeah. It shows me that they're going to win like 90 games or more and be in, I would say in the class of being one of the top teams in the sport. I mean, could they win 95 or 100 games? I think it's within within range. I think it's a possibility. Um, but right now, at least, more than just what's going to happen in the regular season, the biggest storyline out of Mets camp every day is, are the Mets going to be able to sign their guys to extensions? Are they going to be able to sign Michael Conforto and then, more importantly, Lindor to these massive contract extensions? Because Lindor is going to take $300 million, and, and that's how much the Mets were around, around in that range offering. Uh, and we'll see if it gets done before opening day. But it has to be done within the next seven days because Lindor said he's not negotiating during the season. And it's kind of like what happened with the new, with Mookie Betts. Remember, you remember that with the Dodgers last year. They didn't, he didn't want to negotiate during the season, and they got it done uh, during spring training with the Dodgers. And obviously, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the money is uh, something that the New York and the Boston teams have plenty of. So I think they'll, I think they'll get it done. Uh, they, you know, they – they, they can definitely spend away. Uh, I think they'll be all right <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What, what about the Red Sox? What, what, have, uh, what have you kind of observed as they've gone through the spring? Uh, I mean, their record is better than I thought it would be for spring training. I mean, spring training, James, spring training games don't always translate to the regular season, but like they're 12 and eight right now, something around that. So um, it really comes down to is if their pitching is going to be better this year. Because uh, like last year it was horrendous, and the year before it wasn't great either. So, it really comes down to Eduardo Rodriguez and uh, you know Tanner Houck, who's like one of their up and coming pitchers. And then you know they got in terms of other uh, you know field positions, they got Kiki Hernandez, um, they got uh, Hunter Renfro. So they you know they're just trying to be better than they were last year, which shouldn't be too hard since they were pretty bad last year. But 
Um, you know, they're just trying to, and they're just trying to build around those younger guys as well, like Raphael Devers, uh, Xander Bogart's still on the team. So, you know, a lot of people think they're going to suck. I don't know if they're going to suck, but I think they're going to be like 500, like average. Where, where do you think they are in their rebuild? Like, do you think that they could compete potentially for the playoffs this year? Or do you think that's Maybe probably a wild card at most, but um, I don't think anything more than that. Um, I think it'll probably be like around 500, maybe. I think they'll, I think they're the lowest they would be is probably like just under 500, and they're like, and their ceiling is probably like a wild card appearance. Okay. Um, that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I kind of have them pegged at the same same kind of area. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to be great by any means, but you know, I, I honestly, I'm not really, I don't really care. I'm just happy I get to go. <laughs> I don't. I, they could be horrible, and I'm just glad that. You know, I get to go back to sports games. <laughs> they could they could lose every game. I'm just glad to go back. Yeah, I, I haven't been either, obviously. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm just thrilled. I already have uh, some tickets that I'm trying to look yeah. at to see when I want to go. And we'll figure that out as we go. But, yeah, thank God we're getting sports back and we can yeah, I'm just thrilled to, to be going back to the games, you know, and just, you know, being in the ballpark. Even if they lose 20 to nothing, it's going to be fun to go back. So right. that's how I feel. Uh, so what do you think about, about the division? Because I, I find the AL East to be fascinating. The Orioles, we know, are terrible. But I feel like with everybody else, it's kind of up in the air. The Yankees were, are going to be good. We know that. Toronto should be better than they were last year with George Springer. And then the Rays, they lost a lot of guys, but it seems like the Rays are always good. So I don't really know where to rank everybody. I feel like I put Tampa as the second team and Toronto slightly in third with Boston as the fourth team. But I feel like I, I'm kind of shuffled on that. I don't know exactly how I would rank it. Going into I think season. that I think that third and fourth place will kind of shift back and forth between the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, kind of like just change almost every day. I think they'll be kind of close with each other there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rays, they the Rays off a low like spending threshold, but they always seem to you know get it done. Kind of like you know Moneyball, they kind of they kind of sign what they can and they make it work every year. Um, but you know, I feel like for the Yankees, it's kind of championship or bust. Like you know, they they. They couldn't get past the Rays last year. They, I think they, I think this year's championship or bust for the Yankees. Um, I think they really got to get it done. Uh, at least this year, or the next couple of years. Um, I think they really got to, they got to push it to the next level. I can tell you that I think the sense around this city is that if it's not the Dodgers, the Yankees got to get it done. And it is like a World Series or bust tar- sort of mentality. I can tell you from the fan base, they have waited eleven years. It's been since two thousand and nine. That's. I hate to say this, but in Yankee terms, that's kind of a long time to win a championship. So they've been waiting, uh, and the team's been very good for a while. So it's just like, why do you keep failing over and over in the playoffs? There were some people calling for Aaron Boone's head last year to fire him, and and obviously they didn't. But there's definitely a lack of patience in New York, and these fans really think that they have a championship-level team, and at some point they're just going to make it happen. But I I don't know. For me with the Yankees, it's weird because they've – they've been so banged up each of the last two years that it really showed you just how much depth they have, but we don't, we don't really know when they're fully healthy, how explosive they can be. So I love to see Giancarlo Stanton play the full season. I love to see Aaron judge be there for like the full season. Cause I want to see these guys at a hundred percent ready to go from the jump and get off to a hot start and then see just where they can build to. But I'm not even sure that's going to happen because with Luis Severino, he's going to be out the first few months uh, and this is a veteran team, and, and obviously veteran teams are always prone to injuries. So we'll, we'll see, but I can tell you that once the playoffs come around, the fans here are going to be really, really excited for that team because I think that they think that they can win it all. Yeah, it'll be a lot of pressure on them too because oh, yeah. you know, if they get booted in the first round of the playoffs, God forbid, there's gonna be a, it's gonna be, they're going to be held to pay. <laughs> and Aaron Boone will be fired if that happens, I will tell you right now, even though yeah. he's a good manager. I like it's him a lot. Prove it season. Okay. So we'll get to some other teams around around Major League Baseball. Uh, you want to talk about the Dodgers? I think they're probably the most fascinating team going in. The, the defending I mean, champs and what do you say? I said they're stacked, so they're pretty. Oh my god! Yeah, they're really good pitching rotation. Obviously, um, you know Walker Bueller. Um, I mean, there's what else can I say? Tra- uh, Trap. Why am I blanking? Um, Bauer, and that, I'm forgetting his first name for some reason. Yeah, he got, and then he got Kershaw. And yeah, I mean, they're great. Yeah, and then they have, you know, Bellinger, Betts. I mean, you know, I think I think a lot of people will say, like, oh, the last season wasn't legitimate, but, you know, I think the Dodgers are still going to be in the contending, and I think they probably have the best chance to win it all again and go back-to-back. Um, I think they, they definitely have a great chance to do it, and that's obvious. I mean, I feel like everyone 
probably thinks the same thing. But, yeah, they have a really good roster. So I see no reason why they can't win the World Series again. Yeah, the only the only issue I see for them, at least in the regular season, is one of the, the things that they were able to do last year is they were, they were able to rest some guys down the stretch. And they've done this in the past a little bit. When they were going into September with a big division lead, when you have a team like San Diego that's going to be nipping at your heels all year, and, and that's how good I, I feel about the Padres for this season, I feel like it's going to be tough for them because they just might not be able to get that extra rest down the stretch to gear up for the postseason run. And we'll see. Maybe that does happen. Maybe they just blow them out. But to me, the Padres are, are as big of a threat to the Dodgers as anybody because when you have the rotation that they have, and they acquired Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell, and then you have this, this lineup with a Machado and a Tatis and Will Myers, like they're great. Um, what, what do Isn't you think Josh about Bell that? There too? Isn't Josh Bell in the Padres now? Or am I no, wrong? no, he's um, he was dealt to Washington. He'll be there. Washington. Yeah, but they've got a stacked lineup. Either way, that their lineup is just stacked. So I, I really like the Padres. I think that they are the, the maybe the biggest threat. Uh, Atlanta's there too, but and the Mets maybe, but but I, I would put it on the Padres right now. Yeah, especially in in their own division for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, any other teams you want to get to? Because I mean, there's just so much around baseball that you can you can talk about, but it would take forever. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I'm just ready to, you know, get the season going, and we're almost there. Just like about a week. So yeah, one Close. week. Uh, I can tell you right now that your Red Sox they play on opening day against Baltimore. They're at home. Uh, the Mets play in a primetime game against Washington at night. Jacob Degrom versus Max Scherzer. That should be a lot of fun. That's on ESPN. Uh, the Yankees play opening day. I believe it's against Tampa. I mean, against uh, Toronto. If I'm not, yeah, if I'm, if I'm at 105 against Toronto. So there should be some really, really good games that day. Um, and obviously, it's going to kick off what should be a great season. Hopefully, COVID doesn't really get in the way. I'm praying that's the case. Uh, but hopefully, they'll just get through it the best they can and, and make it work. All yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you say? No, I'll say yeah. I think I don't think COVID. I think they have a better handle on it now. Yeah, I hope players start getting vaccines too. So who knows? Right, it's a lot of good unknowns, good possibilities. Right. All right, we'll come right back. Uh, We will do one quick commercial break, and then we will get into our final topic, which is the state of Boston sports, because that's going to be really, really exciting. And having Owen here will be uh, really helpful to talk about that. So we'll be right back in a minute. Belly Up Sports has recently partnered with Manscaped because proper grooming requires precision-engineered tools. Not only do men's sensitive areas require it, but hygiene demands it. Get all the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Head over right now to bellyupsports.com, and at the top of the page, click the Manscaped image and shop. Make sure you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to save 20% off your order. That's the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to save 20% off your order. Hey guys, welcome back. Shorts on Sports, episode number 24. We've talked about a lot today, baseball and the NBA trade deadline, which was earlier today. I'm going to do our final topic. I got Owen here to join me. He is a Boston native, goes to college in the Massachusetts area. So he knows all about Boston sports. And we're going to do our third ever uh, state of sports segment. So we are going to talk all about the state of Boston sports. And we'll get to the Red Sox. We'll talk about the Boston Bruins. We'll talk about the Patriots. We'll talk uh, about the Celtics. We'll get to it all. And Owen's an expert on that city. We can see it behind him uh, with his big Boston sports poster. Yes. In the left of his head. Um, so, Owen, let's let you kick it off. You can start wherever you think is best. Uh, I think it's best to start probably with the Patriots. I mean, you know, I was, you know, you never, the Patriots were so dominant. And, you know, last year they had their first down year, but I think, even then what was considered a down year for the Patriots, a lot of teams would still want to be seven and nine. Um, And, you know, I think the Patriots spent so much money in free agency. You know, I just don't think Bill Belichick can handle another losing season. And I don't think the Patriots will have a losing season next year. I mean, they still managed to almost go 500 with a, you know, a team that had lots of opt outs and lots of COVID issues and, you know, a, a limited wide out wide outs and wide receivers. So, I definitely think with like Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, you know, there's definitely a lot of overpays, but I, I, I still think they are going to compete better this year than last year. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I. I actually think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're I Buffalo. Do. I don't think they're going to win the division or anything, but they're going to be a playoff team. And yeah, and they still have a lot of defensive spots. players coming back, like Dante Hightower. Patrick Chung retired, but, you know, they still have their draft pick, Kyle Duggar. And, you know, they, they picked up Matthew Judon 
from the Ravens and um, they picked up a bunch of, you know, good, decent role players. They re-signed David Andrews to a really good team friendly deal, even when they lost Joe Thune to the Chiefs. So, you know, I definitely think for Trent Brown, right? The left tackle. Yes, they, he, he, he was on the Patriots for the, their Super Bowls, and then he was on the Raiders, and then he returned. And then Kyle Van Noy kind of finessed the, the Dolphins and got a lot of money from them, and then they and then he just kind of – they released him, and then he was like, all right, well, I'm going back to the Patriots, I guess. So right. uh, kind of got his money's worth in Miami and then dipped. So, so that's I, kind of the current state of the Patriots. But let's, let's kind of back it up, if you, if you will, to – I don't want to say 20 years ago because we don't need to start from the beginning of Brady, but – this whole Brady era, it, it was so, so polarizing. And I think that's one of the things about Boston sports that if you're, if you're not in Boston, you hate Boston. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't matter where you live. If you live in Los Angeles, if you live in Chicago or New York or wherever you are, there is just some, this resentment towards Boston sports. And I think a lot of it has to do with Brady and Belichick where you just don't like them. And I can tell you right now, I can't stand Tom Brady. I can't stand New England Patriots. It, Brady, when Brady left and went to Tampa last year, I rooted harder against Tampa because of the fact that Brady was there than I actually did against the Patriots, and I hate the Patriots. So it's just – I think it's very interesting, and I, maybe you could speak more on that, just what, what, the, what you feel from other people around the country and, and people who are from different cities and how they feel about your team that you have rooted for your entire life. Well, you know, I think we had this coming, you know, like the kind of like – like this humbling um and being like you know a normal sports city that isn't always dominant finally uh and I think we kind of we kind of you know a lot of Boston sports fans you know talk a lot of talk a lot of trash and you know we're super cocky and now you know we kind of we had this coming I mean it was bound to happen you know now that now that we have teams that are struggling and you know teams that are rebuilding like the Red Sox you know it's you know we're 2018 was kind of like the start of like the end uh, of like the 20 year period of dominance. So, you know, I think we kind of had it coming and, you know, all the hate we're going to get is deserved. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of obnoxious Boston sports fans. I'm not oblivious. So, you know, we have it, we had it coming. <laughs> you feel that though? Like when you, when you travel or, or you go somewhere or maybe you go to an opposing ballpark or something, if you wear a Red Sox, Red Sox shirt, or you wear a Red Sox hat or you wear a Patriots shirt, does, do you kind of like feel like an outsider, like people are always looking at you and, and there's just this vibe towards Boston sports that everybody can't stand them. Yeah. I would say like not this summer, but the summer before um, after the Patriots won the Super Bowl and like the Red Sox won the world series. I was in, we took a road trip for my cousin's wedding and we took the, we took a train all the way to Colorado, but we stopped in Chicago on the way back in Denver on the way there. And I went to a, went to Wrigley field and I went to, um, I went to Coors Field. So when I went to Coors Field, it was just me, not my family. I went by myself and I wore a Red Sox jersey, even though the Red Sox weren't playing. And, you know, you definitely get a lot of questions and you get a lot of, you know, people making jokes about Boston sports and you get a lot of, you know, I got a lot of Denver fans, you know, saying that they hate Tom Brady to me. And I was like, I didn't say anything, (laughs) but okay. Um, So, you know, it's never really like offends me. I just, you know, I guess it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Part of the reason is not just, it's not just doing the Patriots. I mean, it's just because your teams win. The Celtics won in 2008. The Red Sox have won, what, four times since the turn of the century. The Patriots have won six times. And Boston, the Bruins have won, what, three or two? Uh, they won in 2011, but then they lost in 2013, and they lost in 2018. Okay, so they, they also won at least one time. Okay. So that, just, but, so that means that in your lifetime, your, your team that you've rooted for, the four teams, they've had to have won at least 10 championships, if not a bunch more than 10. And I can tell you right now, in my city, the only championship that I have seen at any point was the Giants. They won two Super Bowls, and I'm not a Giants fan. I can't stand the Giants. And uh, the Yankees won 2009. That's pretty much it. It just it doesn't really happen here. And maybe it will at some point. Maybe the Yankees will start to win, and the Mets will be good, and the Knicks will actually be functioning, and the Brooklyn Nets can win the title this year. We'll see if, if, if it gets back to what maybe it once was. But there is just a resentment because there are very few other sports cities where – a, there's four teams in every sport, and B, those teams are consistently not just competitive but great. And I think that's something that you guys really pride yourselves on is never being awful. Like even the Red Sox last year, they were terrible, but they've kind of reloaded this year and they're ready to make another run potentially in a year or so. So yeah, it's, you exactly. guys pride yourselves on never tanking. Yeah, and I, you know, I I love 
Boston sports, but, you know, I definitely think, you know, we need this humbling, you know, this, you know, realization that we're not always going to be great and, you know, there's going to be down years, you know, you know, I heard a lot of the, you know, bandwagon Patriots fans, you know, complaining about the Patriots last season. And I was like, like, look, like, I don't know what you expected. Like this was going to happen. Um, you know, and I think we'll be better next year, but you know, last year, you know, I kind of, it's kind of what I expected. And, but what I didn't expect was the Celtics this year being 21 and 23. I don't know what's happening. It's yeah, upset. Talk, maybe you can go on a little rant if you want about that, because I find it's just so surprising. I was down on the Celtics. I said it on the show multiple times that yeah, going into the year, I didn't, I didn't really like what the Celtics had, but I didn't think they were going to be under 500. I thought they'd maybe be like the fourth seed or a fifth seed. I, but to be where they are now is possibly a playoff team. No guarantee they'll even be there. Boggles my mind. Yeah. I mean, they're in the eighth seed right now behind the Knicks and the Hornets and, you know, Gordon Hayward's probably laughing at us. And I, you know, I just think that, you know, we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and I think they're great players and individuals, but I don't, you know, I've, I've also remember NBA anonymous NBA executive saying that they're like kind of selfish and they don't play for the team. And they're kind of, you know, it's kind of focused on getting what their stats and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how much, how true that is, but you know, if an NBA executive is saying that there might be some, some truth to it. And, I, I also think that sometimes Brad Stevens is just sometimes kind of soft and, you know, after a loss, he'll just say, Oh, we tried our best every time. And I'm like, I get sick of hearing that. And, you know, I, I, we definitely should not be 21 and 23. That's really like, especially like, I wouldn't say our roster is amazing, but it's not 21 and 23 caliber. That's like, really, that's not, that's not acceptable. No, they should be competing with Milwaukee and the Nets and the Sixers and, um, uh, a team like maybe even the Hornets, if, if you know, they can stay competitive, they should be competing with those level teams to be in the top five. Yeah, like they, were last, they right. were last year. Right. My, Miami too. Like, and, and no one's asking the Celtics to go win the championship after Kyrie Irving left. That was going to be a difficult thing to do until you got another superstar. But the fact is you're only one of a few teams in the league with two all-stars. You have a former superstar in Kemba Walker. You have a great role player in, uh, in, in Marcus Smart and they have some young guys and they just haven't made it work. And, and the, what I'll say about it, too, is you love Danny Ainge. I know people in Boston, like, swear by the guy. I, I, think, I think he's done a bad job. Like, I just I, haven't. I agree. I agree, actually, lately. Uh, I think lately he's just been too hesitant. He should have he taken Miles Turner this offseason in a heartbeat instead of, you know, in, instead, of going, instead of getting, you know, Tristan Thompson and, and Jeff Teague. He should have. I mean, the Pacers offered Miles Turner and Doug McDermott, which should have been obvious, should have been an easy trade. Instead of, you know, giving Gordon Hayward away for, you know, a, a trade exception, it should have been an easy trade. And there's been lots of – there's so I feel like the Celtics, they're always interested in so many people and then nothing happens. That's what I, exactly what I was going to say. They were interested in Anthony Davis. They didn't do it. They were interested I – sh- I thought they should have went for James Harden. They didn't make that move happen. There's been too many times where they've passed. And even this morning, like I thought Aaron Gordon was a good fit or Harrison Barnes was a good fit. And I understand that Evan Fournier averages 20 points a game, but that's all you got. Like you're not, you're, you're not at the caliber of team right now where you can just add a guy and say, all right, we'll throw you in as our sixth man. And that's going to change everything. You needed like an impact starter who could do more than just score. So yeah, I, I just I, – I don't see Danny Ainge really as, like, the long-term fit as the GM. He'll probably never get fired because he's done it for such a long time now. But I think at some point, you know, the, the ownership and, and those, those above Danny Ainge even, they've got to look and, and they've got to say, well, is this guy getting the job done? Should we, should we make another hire? Should we bring somebody in to help him? Should we – you know, what, what should we do to assist? Because the team that we're putting out there for the second year out of three – has been as disappointing as any team in the NBA. You remember the team with Kyrie the last year, and they were as bad as uh, dis- disappointing as anyone. And now you have this again this year. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and considering they were in the conference finals last year, it's really really disgraceful. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not happy with it. I mean, I try to watch every game, but I'm kind of used to the Celtics taking a big lead lead and then blowing it um, like five minutes later. So well, last night they almost flipped that on its head, but they didn't even get that job done. So. Yeah, no. And then, you know, Daniel Tice missed that game winner and now, now he's gone. So, um, then, you know, I don't know, but like, you know, but then again, the other team in the TD garden, that's what's keeping Boston fans sane, I think is the Bruins, you know, they're still good. 
which is great. But even that, like, what, what's the, I have the record in front of me. They're, tw- they're 16, 8, and 4. So they're still under 500. Who, the Bruins? Yeah. They're, well, they're not under 500. Yeah, they are. I'm looking that's at not, it right here. No, they're, they're, um, that's 16 wins. Um, eight they're, losses they're, and four overtime losses. They've lost more games than they've won. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're – I, 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 they're, they're better than the other teams at least. Um, I don't think they're under 500. I, I'm not great at hockey, but I just know that the Bruins are, you know, a decent – a decent team. They have a better roster than the Celtics in terms of just that comparison. I mean, I'll have to, you know, look it up real quick, but. Um, well, they're typically in the championship in championship contention. Yeah. I went to an, I'm an Islanders fan just personally. And I went to an Islanders game last year before the pandemic and they played the, the Bruins and the Islanders were up early. And then the Bruins made this great comeback and they ended up winning in overtime. And it just kind of showed you like, that's a team that has championship medal because they've been there every year. So they, yeah, they, I mean, they get to the cup quite a bit and they're always, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference for sure. Yeah, and the and the Bruins are are in the hardest division in hockey. Right. Um, That's it. You know, the, they're playing the Islanders tonight, and the it's the first time fans are back allowed at the TD Garden for Bruins games tonight, which is oh really cool. oh that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go because it's like a million dollars, but that's beside the point. I mean, the Bruins, you know, they're kind of their their windows closing in terms of contention because you know Bergeron's older now. And I mean, they still have like you know, Pasternak who's young and they have Charlie McAvoy and stuff, but you know, they're Marchand's getting older and Bergeron's getting older. So, you know, they're going to have to really, they're going to really have to push it uh, this year and the next year. That's kind of like their windows closing with Bergeron and, you know, he's like 37 or something. He's pretty old. Uh, even though he's still good, he's getting older. So, you know, I, I, I still think the Bruins are have a have a chance to you know do decent this year. I just don't know if they'll make it past teams like the Capitals and uh, even the Penguins, who are really good this year as well. So gotcha. I don't know. Yeah. But I you know I definitely have more positive positive outlook on the Bruins right now than I for this season at least than I do other Boston teams. And I think you should, and not just for the Bruins. I think just in general you should have a positive outlook as a, as a fan of the of the Boston sports teams because. You, you, you can, and I mentioned all the championships you guys have won, but through your lifetime, you've always been in the playoffs. I mean, you, I can't even remember a time where any Boston team was like bad for more than a year. Even, even the Celtics, remember when they got rid of all Paul Pierce and Garnett, they were only bad for like a year or two and they were back in the playoffs and then they got Isaiah Thomas and they were right back in championship contention. I would feel good about any of the teams you root for because even when they struggle or even when they tear it down a little bit, they're, they're always, they're always close. They're always, and they're always building towards something. They're never just going to stay bad. And that's one of the things about my city and so many other sports cities out there is that when a team tears it down, they don't, they don't build it back up. It's, they're just perennially terrible for so long and it never changes. And that's kind of like what I root for with the Mets or the Knicks or the Jets or, you know, somebody like that, where every year is struggle and nothing ever changes. At least with your teams, even the Red Sox, I mean, they're bad right now, but you said it, they're maybe a year away from being a playoff team again. So, I feel confident about it, and that's, I think, just the culture of Boston where things seem to work out much quicker than in other cities for whatever reason. Yeah, that's why I don't think that's like, you know, kind of frame it as the downfall of Boston sports. I don't think that's accurate. I think it's like a, you know, like a down year. Maybe a slip up. Yeah, but it's going to – it's not like this epic collapse. You know, things are going to get – things are going to be better. Things are going to get back to where – maybe not the 20-year dominance, but things are going to get back to a better state. I mean, this isn't going to last forever. You know, I'm not like – yeah. Even the Patriots, like I mentioned, they're a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, they made a lot of – They're away. Yeah, I mean, and if Cam Newton, like, you know, this is his last chance, obviously, like – you know, people gave him the benefit of the doubt of not having good receivers and, and whatnot last year. And, you know, the fact that he got COVID and then after that, it really fell apart for him. So, you know, it, it really, the Patriots season really hinges on if Cam Newton can get back to not MVP form, but, you know, a, a, a starting caliber, you know, making maybe like one or two touchdown passes a game, you know, getting the job done. Kind of count. And his running too is, is so huge too. So yeah, that that's still going to be there. It's just a matter of if you know if he can prove it. With he has the two tight, he has two great tight ends, and he has not like all star caliber, you know, amazing wide receivers. But he has better wide receivers than he did last year. You know, you know Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers, right. um Obviously, the two tight ends, and then he has Jacoby Myers, Julian Edelman will be healthy. You know, he has 
people to throw to now. And Bird, know? right? He was pretty good. Demir Bird, he, he had a nice yeah. year. He has better, and now you know, and now he has obviously the tight ends too. And you know, he has, and he has good running backs to hand the ball off to, like Damian Harris. So you know, it's really and a great offensive line and a great defense and a great coaching staff. So he's got a lot. It's really do or die for Cam Newton. You know, if he fails, you know, then I think that that's it for his career probably. Now, before we wrap up, what do you want the Patriots to do in the draft? Because we're about a month away. I feel like it's a good question to ask. Do you think they should draft a quarterback? Do you like where where, where would you add? I, I know I kind of want them to draft a quarterback just to have behind Cam Newton, and then if Cam Newton fails, then then you know he can still be on the team the rest of the year and kind of mentor this QB who takes over for him from the draft. But if, if I don't think I don't think we're going to draft a QB, I just don't feel like we are. But I wish we would to just have as a behind. And you're not a Jared Stidham believer because I'm not. Not really, no. Um, I'm not a Jared Stidham believer. So if we drafted someone, I would hope that if Cam Newton had a bad season, then he would someone would fill in for Cam Newton, and Cam Newton would stick around and you know mentor him. But you know, if we're not going to draft a QB, um, we'd probably. I think we could still draft a we could draft a wide receiver. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. But you know, with Bill Belichick, we'll probably end up drafting like um, a O line or D line. That's kind of what we do a lot. That's true. Is there a quarterback that you that you like more than the others potentially? I think the Patriots are picking fifteenth. So yeah, I think like in either. terms of like what would fall to us, I think Mac Jones could be on the board at fifteen, okay. maybe. Um, but you know. You know, the best quarterbacks are not going to be at the board at 15, but still some good ones. Like, Mac Jones will be there, I think. And um, just trying to think of some other ones. Maybe a uh, Kyle Trask, somebody like that. Yeah, some, some players like that who we could draft will be on the board. Obviously, you know, Justin Fields and stuff won't be there probably. Right. But, you know, I think those – I think some solid college quarterbacks who we could draft will be on the board for sure. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I think we're just about wrapped up here, unless there's anything else you want to add. No, um, but, yeah, I think but I think this was a good episode. The Boston, the Boston sports realm. Yeah, and and not just with Boston. There's a lot going on across the country sports-wise. We mentioned baseball. The NBA is in the middle of its season. The NHL is in the middle of its season. The NBA draft. And we've got some great college matchups this weekend in both the men's and women's tournaments, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, with the Final Four coming up uh, in about a week and a half from now. So sports is is fully back. I mean, as back as it can be in the middle of this pandemic with everything going on. and just thank God we're here to witness it because we missed it all so much. And you know that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, definitely good, good vibes. For sure. All right. That's going to wrap us up here on episode number 24 on Schwartz on sports. We will be back with more on the belly up podcast network really soon. We took a little bit of a break last week, uh, but that was just because we couldn't get an episode in, but we're going to be back on a consistent uh, posting schedule now and we will have much more content coming on the Philly Podcast Network as we go forward. So thank you guys very much for listening and have a great weekend.